0: Adolf Hitler will forever be a name associated with mass murder. Jim Jones will forever be a name associated with mass suicide. Ted Kaczynski will forever be a name associated with murder by mail bomb. And Judas Iscariot will forever be a name associated with betrayal, treachery. And with handing over the innocent Jesus, the sinful men who would see to his death. Tonight, we're going to look at and through the betraying eyes of Judas. In order to take a hard look at ourselves and then fix our eyes on Jesus. The Apostle Mark writes... Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. We heard that. Verse 10. And Mark's mention that Judas was one of the twelve highlights the deeply personal nature of his treachery and the utter brazenness of his betrayal. I mean, Judas had been chosen out of countless other Jewish men to be one of the twelve apostles. A select group who had the privilege of being in the inner circle with Jesus. Judas knew firsthand the love and mercy of Jesus and had witnessed many powerful miracles. He was there for all that stuff. The blind man, this and that. He heard the Sermon on the Mount... Again and again he heard the parables of the rich fool and the warnings about greed. And all this was drummed into his head. And he had even gone out and preached in Jesus' name. We don't know what he said, we, but he was there when all that was going on. He heard about the warnings about those who preached in the Lord's name and are shocked on judgment day to find out that their faithlessness has landed them in eternal damnation. You would have figured that he would have gotten something out of that. But if you want to see a prime example of someone who had all the right things taught to him, but then rebelled against it, it's got to be Judas. Judas had sought out the chief priests with an offer to hand Jesus over to them. And when they heard it, they were, they were glad <laughs> probably one of the only times in scripture we hear of the pharisees being happy in anything they promised him money the jewish leaders were seeking an inc- inconspicuous location to arrest jesus and judas would provide them with an ideal opportunity in the middle of the night in an well at the time a kind of an isolated little garden or or park on the side of the mount of olives and as we know from the other Gospels, Judas was a nice, caring, and loving man, wasn't he? No, just the opposite. And he must have looked at his betrayal as an opportunity to line his pockets. Judas's plan was in place. But first he had to wait through the preparation of the Passover. The Passover meal and the meal itself, how annoying must that have been? He was probably thinking, man, let's just get on with this so I can get my money and go. But at this dinner, at this Passover meal, Jesus drops the surprise on the twelve apostles and said, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. One who is eating with me. Uh, one who is dipping his bread in the sauce with me right now. You know, try to picture with the, the other guys at the table We're doing. Jesus seems to be calmly looking around, knowing by his divine power, he knows exactly who the betrayer is, but not giving away anything. Mark says that they began to be sorrowful and to say to Jesus, one after another, is it I? Imagine the shock on their faces around this room with suspicion, wondering, who must it be? What were Judas' eyes doing, do you think? Did he look down in shame? Did he nervously glance around to see if he was uh, uh, suspected? You know, Did he do one of these, the jig is up, I've been found out. Or did he put on a good show and act like the rest of them? We don't know for sure. Mark doesn't say. But I'd bet on the latter that he just poker-faced it right through, you know? What's striking about Mark's account of this scene is that Jesus doesn't name Judas, and we don't hear that the traitor is Judas until in the, in, in the garden of Gethsemane. And why do you suppose that is? Well, yeah, I mean, it's a good question, isn't it? I mean, in keeping with the rest of Mark's style, I believe it's to create some suspense. You know, even though Mark may have known that his audience already knew that Judas was the betrayer, it's like when you watch a movie, you know, that you've seen before and you already know who the bad guy is or who the betrayer is going to be at the big reveal at the end, right? You already know, yet you watch it again and you're experiencing the anticipation and the surprise with the characters in the in the story nonetheless. I think that's one thing. On a deeper level, though, Perhaps Jesus wanted each of the twelve to examine himself and see if he had the capability to betray innocent blood, to commit treason against the Lord. Likewise, perhaps Jesus wants each one of us to examine our own loyalty to the Lord. If we were to do that, what would we find in ourselves? I would think after all this time, having heard the word of God, so many years for most of you and receiving the Lord's Supper up here for so many years, again and again, not a single one of us would hand the Lord over to the devil for a bag of gold coins. Yet, at the same time, God came into the world through His Son, Jesus Christ, not because the whole human race was righteous, and good, and blameless in his sight, just the opposite. All have participated in the sin of Judas. We have all committed treason. That's what our sin of betrayal is to our king of grace. And if we were to die in that sin, it certainly would have been better if we'd never been born. Which is why it's such good news when Jesus says in the upper room, The Son of Man goes as it is written of Him. Uh, Mark 14, verse 21. And then in the garden, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Jesus came specifically for that purpose. To be betrayed and to pour out His precious blood and suffer an innocent death to atone for your sin, my sin, sin of the whole world the son of man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many now <clears throat> there are some deep mysteries here judas was morally culpable of his betrayal of jesus and justly paid the price for his sin and in, in lack of repentance even though the scriptures had foretold this what happened God did not force Jesus, uh, Judas to do anything. He was not a puppet. But it was Judas's sinful will, along with the devil's prompting, that led him to this. Yet behind the scenes, this is what God wanted to see all along. The father wanted to punish his son for our sake. The father wanted to hand over his son to, to his, this death. And the son went willingly out of his love. For you and me. When we translate betray in this text, it can also have another meaning. Hand over to deliver. Uh, Romans chapter 4, 24 and 25 says that faith will be counted for righteousness to us who believe. Paul says to us who believe in him who raised from the dead, Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Who did the handing over? Judas. He did the delivering. To be sure, but above all, God the Father loved the world in this way. He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not die, but have... You fill in the blanks, that's right. So fix your eyes on the one who for you became a curse on the tree of the cross and find your salvation in Him. In baptism, you and I have been washed in the blood of the Lamb of God, the same one we betrayed. He's not surprised that we're sinners. He knew that as He went to the cross to establish His kingdom of grace. And He knows that now, even as He forgives the sins of all who repent, for every time we betray Him, For every time we've made a promise to Him we didn't keep, remember, there is forgiveness for you and me. Betraying can also mean handing over, delivering. Like I said, it's used by Paul in a remarkable place in his first letter to the church in Corinth. He uses the verb twice, writing, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, handed over to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was delivered, when he was handed over, took bread. Yeah, we're accustomed to hearing that, aren't we? Especially on Sundays, on the night when he was betrayed. And that is certainly the truth. But what is most important is that God the Father handed over Jesus to death in our place. Your place and mine. The apostles handed down to us the words of institution for this Lord's Supper that we're not going to have tonight, but in the future. And in that meal, Jesus hands his body and blood over to us for forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. Remember this, every time you do it and hear those precious words, our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was handed over, delivered by evil men, took bread, and then you can sing with joy, Lord, now let your servant go in peace. My own eyes have seen your salvation. Judas may forever be a name associated with betrayal. Well, at least until Jesus returns, right? Makes all things new again, then Judas will be completely forgotten. And his betrayal, wiped from history. Jesus, on the other hand, will be forever a name associated with life, grace, salvation, forgiveness. And His name and His love for you and all people who hear and believe Him will never disappear or be wiped away. And that is good news, my friends. Amen.